0: a uh, point of correction we'll actually be preaching from the ESV but I think that's uh, what Owen read seemed to match up with what was in in my ESV Bible Um, please join me as I ask God's blessing upon the preaching of his word (sighs) Heavenly Father when Moses was before the burning bush complaining that he could not speak to Pharaoh because he was not an eloquent speaker. He had a stutter. You said, who has made man's mouth? Lord, you have made my mouth. And Lord, you can bless the preaching of your word, even from a vessel such as I. Father, I pray that you would do so. Be with me, Lord. Uh, Give me the words to say. Lord, keep me from saying anything which I should not say. Father, I pray that by your Holy Spirit you would use the preached word to draw unbelievers to yourself, to strengthen the faith of your saints, and to glorify the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. We ask all of these things in the precious name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, I would like to begin with a short story, or two short stories, really. And one, there is a rich man walking down the streets of the city, and he sees a poor beggar, clothes and rags, shoes barely fit to wear. This man is asking for money, and this rich man, out of the generosity the largest of his heart pulls out his wallet and hands the man all the cash he has on him a sizable gift the man thanks him praises him because he's been kind and generous and the rich man goes on his way in the second story there's another rich man he too is walking down the streets of a city and he comes across a poor little homeless child clothes and rags no shoes And he looks at that child and he says you come with me I will adopt you and everything that I have is now yours. The distinction between these two men is one man gives out of his riches to the poor man. The other gives all of his riches to the poor child. And God does not just give us out of his riches God gives us the storehouses of heaven in Christ. In our passage this morning, we see that God has given us the riches of heaven in Christ. And this sizable passage, really, can be very easily divided into three different sections, showing us that God has given us the riches of Christ, the riches of heaven, before our very existence. In verses 3 um, through 6. In verses 7 through 10, he has given us the riches of heaven in time. And in verses 11 through 14, he has promised us the riches of heaven in the future. Now, admittedly, one could probably preach a sizable sermon on each one of those divisions. Um, I am no Spurgeon, but I think I could probably even preach a sermon on just verse 3 alone. So this morning, we will really not be diving into any significant depth in this passage, but a brief overview. And if the Lord uh, gives me opportunities to preach again in the future, I think I would like to delve a little bit more deeply into each of these sections. But for now, we will go over each of these uh, as well as we can in the time in which I have. We see in the first section, the riches of heaven were given to us before we existed. Paul begins this section of scripture uh, in, in a praise to God. He says, blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This entire passage of scripture is one long doxology. This is one uh, run-on sentence, really, in the Greek, in which the apostle is praising God for blessing upon blessing, uh, very much in the same vein as David does in the Psalms, um, in the psalm which Sylvester had us look at before uh, his prayer. Uh, Give thanks to the Lord. He is good. His mercy endures forever. And then he continues to say, He has done these things for us. His mercy endures forever. He defeated Og, king of Bashan, right? Sihon, king of the Amorites. His mercy endures forever. It is this constant recounting of the blessings of God which Paul uses to stir us to praise and bless God. So in this doxology, he expounds upon these blessings. He starts off with this uh, overhead view of all of the blessings of God. You know, Perhaps you've seen something like this in a movie. You know, you, You're panned out, and then all of a sudden, whoosh, zooms in right there into what the particular blessings of God is. This is what Paul is doing in this passage. And then in verse 3, it's also important to note that all of these riches of heaven, the various blessings which God has given us, are found where? He has blessed us in Christ. All of these blessings are found in Christ alone. Christ is the true riches of heaven. He is the, the, the centerpiece. Of the building materials of heaven are no real treasure. They're streets of gold right? They're precious gemstones. Well, streets of gold in heaven are as common as streets of asphalt here in Brandon. Precious gems are as common as the stone that as a child you would pick up and skip on a lake. All of these beauties, these precious things of heaven, merely exist to prove how much more lovely, how much more precious and great Christ is than all other things. Christ is the true riches of heaven. verse 4, Paul begins to expound upon what these various blessings are. He says he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. He has begun with his overhead view and zoomed into every spiritual blessing. And the first one that he chooses is something that happened before the foundation of the world. The first is divine election. Uh, I'm not going to go too far in depth in this. Um, I think a Presbyterian preaching on election is probably uh, about the same as a Baptist preaching on baptism. Uh, it happens very often. It's a good thing to preach on, but uh, that is not the main focus of this passage, though it is one of the blessings. Sinclair Ferguson says that at the end of the day, the Bible is all about election. After all, it's God who chose or elected to create the world. We did not do that. We did not choose how the course of history would play out, that was God. And therefore, we are not the ones who choose to bring about our salvation. That, too, is God. The root of our salvation is not in our own work, but in the electing grace of God. And look at what this verse says. It says that we were elected, that we should be holy and blameless before him. God did not choose us because of foreseen faith, because of our holiness or blameless. God chose us to that end. The election of God is what uh, brings us to be holy and blameless. Without the election of God, we would not have faith and good works. Rather, the election of God is what ultimately produces that faith and good works. And this is one of the many blessings of God. Before the foundation of the world, he set us apart that we should be holy and blameless. We should therefore praise him for it. Verse 5 speaks of the predestination for adoption as sons through Christ, according to his will. Before we existed, God predestined us to be his children, to adopt us into his family. There was no chance that those who have faith in Christ would not become the children of God because he predestined us to that end. He did it according to the purpose of his will, for his praise. He did it so that we would hear the gospel and unite us to Christ. And this concept. Of adoption in the ancient world is uh, very similar to adoption today. Uh, in ancient Rome, which is really where this idea of adoption comes from, there are essentially two aspects of adoption. One is that a child is freely chosen by the parents, he is desired by the parents, they bring him in so that he will be the heir to an inheritance. And the second is once they have brought that child into their family, that child cannot be disowned. He has become a member of that family forever. A natural child in Rome, if they fell into uh, disgrace or other things, could be kicked out of the family. They could not receive an inheritance if, if the parents so chose. If the, the paterfamilias decided, ah, this is no longer my son, but an adopted child would never be removed from the family. He would always have an inheritance, and that is what God has done for us. He has predestined us for adoption as sons. He has brought us into his family. and He will never let us go. Amen. That is a blessing. In verse 6, we see yet more blessings. All of these things were done to the praise of his glorious grace, which with, with, with which he has blessed us. In the beloved. God did all of these things according to the purpose that we would praise him. And this is not some uh, narcissistic human desire for praise. God is all glorious and deserving of all praise. And we, as his creatures, owe him all praise. When we do not praise God, we are not doing what we ought to do. And he gives us, through his grace, the ability to praise him. This may not seem like a blessing to some people. But truly, this is, this is the grace of God to keep us from falling into sin. This is the grace of God to stir our hearts, to praise him, to glorify him, to do what he has created us to do, to fulfill the chief end for which he has made us, to glorify him. And enjoy him forever. These are all things given to us in the past. But the riches of heaven were not only given to us in the past, they are also given to us in time. Verse 7 says In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. We have redemption. The Lord has bought us back. We are his creatures, and yet, in our rebellion, we were at enmity with God. We were his enemies. We opposed him at all turns. And yet, yet, he has redeemed us. He has bought us back a blessing. He has given us forgiveness through the blood of Christ, according to the riches of his grace. The blood of Christ, the most precious blood. There is the only thing which could atone for our sins according to his riches. Well, how great are his riches? They're endless. They're limitless. The grace of God according to his riches is endless and limitless. He pours it out upon us. Verse 8 says he lavished it upon us and all wisdom and insight. He's not the rich man of the first story who merely gives us out of his riches, who merely gives us a handful of cash or whatnot. He lavishes his grace upon us, bathes us in it, pours it over us. It is unending and ceaseless. It is such a blessing, and praise God for that, for without the constant outpouring of his grace, we would fall into sin again, but he keeps us through the lavishing of his grace He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. He did not just save us and leave us here to find our own way. He reveals to us the mystery of his will. Christ as our prophet reveals to us the will of God. He blesses us. By showing us his will. Showing us his purpose which he set forth in Christ. A plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. This is the end of days when Christ returns. He has told us Christ will return. And he will rule all things in heaven and on earth. All things will be united in him. The restoration of all things. The resurrection of our bodies. The restoration of earth. The earth cries out. And pain as though in childbirth now. And yet one day, Christ will make all things right. As yet another blessing in these vast riches of heaven. And yet, God does not stop there. As if it wasn't enough that he had already blessed us before time began. If it wasn't enough that he blessed us in time by giving us the redemption in Christ. He blesses us even more and will bless us even more in the future. Verses 11 through 14. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. We have obtained an inheritance. Now, the commentators that I read upon uh, for this passage pointed out something which I had just kind of uh, overlooked. He uses this phrase, we have obtained an inheritance. And then in verse 13, he says, in him, you also, when you believed in him, were sealed with the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Paul here is referring both to the early Christians, the Jews, and yet he is also referring when he says, uh, when he says we, he's referring to the Jews. And when he's saying you, he's referring to the Gentiles, Christ is the Christ of all nations. He gives his blessings to men everywhere. Uh, he no longer uh, has an ethnic people in one place. He has men from every nation, every tribe, every tongue. <laughs> and he is not just given an inheritance to the people of Israel. They were given the promise of, uh, of the land. Right, They had all of these things. They had an inheritance which God had set aside for them. Well, That is not only their inheritance, but now it is our inheritance as well. We have been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. When Christ rules on earth over all things, we will inherit, we will rule alongside Christ. He has given us that blessing as well. He has given us the inheritance of resurrection. The Lord Jesus rules and reigns over all things now, and will rule and reign over all things uh, in the future. And in all of that, he has blessed us in the beloved. He has given us an inheritance. And so, what should we do with these many blessings? Are we to just sit here and say, well, that's great. God has blessed us mightily. God has given us a great deal of things. What ought we to do with these blessings? Well, we're told many, many times throughout this passage, we are to bless him. We are to praise him for all of these blessings which he has given us. Paul begins with praising God, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He ends this entire doxology praising God, saying that uh, the Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. From beginning to end, all of these blessings should stir our hearts to praise the Lord. That is what all of these blessings are for. The Lord has made us to glorify him and to enjoy him forever, and he has given us every single blessing That we need to carry that out. He has provided all things that we need. And so, what should we do? Well, praise the Lord. Praise him. When you don't feel like praising the Lord. When things are hard. When times are tough. When friends go to be with the Lord. When we are grieving. When our pastor is out for a month because he's sick. What can we do? We can remember all of the benefits which he has given us, all of the blessings. We can praise his name for them. We can remember we are in Christ. We have the greatest treasure of all. Even though things are hard, we have Christ, and that is enough. And therefore, we, we can remember these things as the psalmist does to stir our hearts to praise him. And so I would encourage you, Remember the many benefits of God. During the week when you are seeking to praise Him, remember His benefits. Call them to mind and praise the Lord. Each Sunday when we gather together, especially you young people, I think, there are times when it seems going to church week in and week out can be a little bit boring. You might not understand what all is going on. You might think, why are my parents dragging me to this again? I know when I was young, and I was foolish, I thought those very things. When you come to church and you don't feel like praising God, remember all of the things which God has done for you, which God has done for his people. Call those to mind and praise the Lord. The same goes for all of us who are a little older, maybe a little less foolish. When, When it feels like you don't want to praise the Lord, when you don't want to come to church, Do it anyway, and praise the Lord. For those of us who are in Christ, we ought to remember the treasures which we have been given. For anyone listening who is not in Christ, Jesus says, come to me, all you, who we are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. All of these blessings in Christ can be yours as well, in Christ. Through union and communion with Christ, you have all of the riches of heaven. And so I would encourage you, if you are not in Christ, turn to him now. Do not wait. Do not think that, well, I can do this tomorrow. Well, I have plenty of earthly blessings right now. I don't think I need heavenly ones as well. Earthly treasures will pass away. On earth, moth, rust destroys, thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Take the treasure offered to you in Christ. Do not hesitate. Turn to him. Trust in him. He has promised the riches of heaven to all who do so. He has promised the riches of heaven that were in the past. The riches of heaven presently. And He promises riches, the riches of heaven to His people in the future. <clears throat> and so, I encourage you, take hold of those. Do not delay. And when you take hold of them, praise Him. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father and gracious Lord, we thank you for the great riches Which we have in Christ. We thank you most of all for Christ Himself, who has made atonement for our sins through His precious blood. Lord, we pray that you would cause us to remember all these, the benefits which you have given us. Stir our hearts to sing your praise, Lord, by remembering these things. Lord, you are great and glorious. Christ is great and glorious. Holy Spirit, you are great and glorious. Our triune God, we thank and praise you for these blessings which you have given us. Strengthen our faith, Lord. Deepen our love for our Lord Jesus. Sanctify us. Make us worthy heirs of all of these treasures which you have lavished upon us. Be with us as we continue to praise you. Be with us as we depart and go about our week. Help us to honor and glorify you in everything that we say and do. Amen.